Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. And welcome. It's the Sports Animals on this Wednesday morning on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, Chris Hart will be with us in just a little while. And we've got an exciting show today, and especially with a guest. I mean, the host usually makes it exciting. Hopefully we do. But uh, our guest list today, we've got a couple of great guests starting at about 7.20 to about 17 minutes. Kenny Niamatololo, the new head coach for San Jose State. He will be joining us and talking about his new hire and his new staff and a lot of great things going on in his football coaching career. So that's coming up ahead. And in 8 o'clock hour, about 8.35, we'll have Justin McCoy, University of Hawaii men's basketball player, and uh, first time we've had him on this show, so we'll catch up with uh, what's going on with men's basketball, which is kind of where we'll start. Uh, not only with men's basketball, but for women's basketball, about things that you need to know. Another big week as we are getting to the midpoint of conference play. And uh, for me, I'm really excited about the women's team. It seems like, is it me, Tanner, or every week it seems like the Rainbow Wahine are playing another team that's in first or second place. It's happened a couple of times, and it'll happen tomorrow with Santa Barbara, who is in second a half game in back of Hawaii. And on Saturday, Cal Poly is, I believe, tied for third. So another tough week, but so far they've been up for the task. Well, because usually when we're playing the second best team, we usually beat them. So then they, they become third place. So then a new second place team comes in. You know, it's just par for the course for the Rainbow Wahine. I'm really excited to watch this game against Santa Barbara and Cal Poly. You know, it's it's what it's I think what was expected out of the Rainbow Wahine this year being voted first in the Big West. Probably not to those two coaches that voted them third, though. Right, right. We still want to find out who they are, and Laura Beeman talked to we'll us about that. We'll find out one of these days. Yeah, maybe one of the, maybe after the season. Maybe after, it was Santa Barbara and Cal Poly. Who knows? Uh, whoever it is, I hope they're going to get eliminated uh, by Hawaii, or at least beaten by Hawaii, I should say. Uh, maybe eliminated in March in the Big West Tournament. But a uh, great season so far in conference play at 6-1, and one, and on the road, as we said, against Santa Barbara. Now, for the men, they have got Santa Barbara, of course, as well, at home tomorrow night, a team that is struggling, and I'm talking about actually both teams. Uh, for Hawaii, we already know about their recent struggles. For the Santa Barbara team, this is a team that is consistently picked to be at the top or near the top of the Big West standing. And right now, especially after they lose, they lose last Saturday at home to Cal State Fullerton, they are a very average 4-4 four and four in sixth place. Now, Hawaii, of course, struggling for them, with themselves as far as their win-loss record at 2-5, and five, which is a three-way tie for seventh, eighth, and ninth. And I want to make something kind of clear on that. When I'm going to give out the standings, I hope I can remember to do this every time. I'm going to exclude San Diego. 
as far as what the seating or what the place in the standings is for the Big West tournament because San Diego, you see San Diego is not eligible. So them, they in the standing means nothing. So I kind of erased them. And with that, as they are in third place or tied for second San Diego, Hawaii in seventh, eighth, and ninth. Not where you want to be at the midpoint of the conference season. I mean, both of these teams don't want to be where they are right now. I think most of the teams that are at the bottom of these standings for the Big West did not expect to be here. You have Hawaii, uh, Santa Barbara, uh, Cal State Fullerton as well. These are teams that I think were all projected to be at least top three. I can't remember where exactly Hawaii was voted this year. I think third, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, these are probably going in. Coaches thought these would be like the three teams that would be competing for the top of the conference. Yet here they are kind of battling out from middling to almost the worst in the conference. So, you know, maybe at this halfway point of the season, um, all these teams have, you know, a little bit of a shock here where they have to say, all right, now it's just kind of pull ourselves up by the bootstraps here, especially for us, for the University of Hawaii, where I think Iran has done a good job of, you know, taking the blame. Uh, I think on call the coach, he did a pretty good job of trying to, you know, take the blame away from the players, putting it all on he and the coaching staff. But I think it's something that you bring up a lot is that as much as it's an issue uh, that a lot of fans do have with Aron Gannat, at some point the players also do have to stand up for themselves as well and say, hey, I think there's at some point where they have to take a little bit of the blame as well. Because it's not like it's all, all everything is the issue with the head of the snake here. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that need to be fixed across all facets of this team. I agree, and I, I, you were saying how I've been saying about the players. I mean, I don't think the players should say it's my fault necessarily. They can take ownership, but it's the fans, really. The fans seem to be blaming one person and one person alone, and that is Iran Kanan. I know that comes with the territory, but he's not the one who shot 57% on three throws, and that's not coaching at all in some of those losses they've had. It's interesting or ironic, I should say, that Cal State Fullerton, who is tied with Hawaii at 2-5, and five, their two wins are against the two most disappointing teams, Hawaii and Santa Barbara, uh, which makes them dangerous. That's the other part about them. It makes them dangerous. Both teams will play Fullerton again, Hawaii on the road later on in February. But these games start getting a little bit more critical as we move on. And I, I, I really have complete confidence that this team, and I, this is a weird statement to make in mid or late January, that they will make the Big West tournament because, remember, only eight, teams make it in three will not one of those is san diego that's not the goal to make the big west tournament i mean it's one of the goals it should be automatic and uh, hopefully they can right the ship and that's the other part that i'm hoping fans can acknowledge but it's up to the team to show it is that they can turn this thing around it's not like they're that far off where this season is a wash it's lost nothing like that at all they have been a little disappointing and they don't really have a whole bunch of bad losses there was a couple of games fullerton and maybe even long beach state where you lost games that you probably could have and maybe should have won but you also look at the irvine game where they didn't play well i'm not sure if their best effort would have gotten a win against a team that is really really good right now at six and one csun on the road was tough and they didn't play poorly in that game they didn't play poorly in the san diego game and that maybe is what makes it a little more frustrating is that they're playing well in spurts to win these games, just haven't played a full 40 minutes to get the job done. But that can change. And for this homestand, in fact, we're going to get tickets out coming up 
uh, in a little bit, probably about 7.35 or 40 after we talk with Kenny Niamatololo. Uh, we'll give out a couple of tickets for tomorrow night's game against Santa Barbara. We've got a couple of pair. We'll do one this hour and one next hour. If they can beat a Santa Barbara, because I expect them to beat Cal Poly, their opponent, on Saturday. If they can get that sweep, and it's not automatic, and it might be a big if. Uh, I think things will really turn around as far as the confidence and everything else with this team. But they've got to take care of business. And Santa Barbara, even though they have been struggling, they still have a great, great scorer in A.J. Mitchell. And we remember him from last year. That is a good basketball team. Schedule doesn't really get any easier as well for Hawaii because coming up later on, they've still got UC Davis twice. And they haven't played UC Davis yet. UC Davis is now the first place team on the men's side. So after this home stand, I don't want to get too far ahead, but the road trip next week is going to be pretty tough as well. Fullerton, enough said, and Irvine, enough said. Uh, they won't have Davis until February 10th at home, and then they'll have them the last game of the regular season, or excuse me, the last game of February on the road. And that's way down the line, but still got basketball left. That's a good thing. There's still time to fix what needs to be fixed and kind of turn this around. Again, it's not a lost cause at all. Definitely want to point that out. Another story we are following, and I wasn't aware that University of Hawaii football team had another coaching opening. I thought the three that they announced last week were the three kind of replacement coaches. But Anthony Arsenault is now the running backs coach for the University of Hawaii, Darnell's brother. Uh, he was a receiver in college and in high school at St. Louis, played with Timmy Chang, and he was on Nevada staff. So they're obviously familiar with uh, Anthony Arsenault, and he is now the latest addition to the University of Hawaii staff. They start spring practice, and it still sounds wrong, I guess is the best way to put it, to say spring practice uh, starts Monday. We are getting closer and closer to, I'll call it winter practice, I guess, in a way. And uh, the excitement will start again, and hopefully with the new coaches, we can climb that to that next level and show more improvement. Kind of the way they finished the year. They did finish the year strong, winning three out of four. And with the coaches that they've got and the way the offense started clicking, we're all expecting bigger and better things coming up later on uh, Later on this year as the season will start in late August for University of Hawaii football. So, I, I mean, I, I do like the staff that they have. I do like the recruits that they have bring, bringing in. Not a ton of transfers, but they did get some really good high school and JUCO players. And Bishop Garman now seems to be kind of like a pipeline for the University of Hawaii. So that is pretty cool, and uh, hopefully that will continue with Chris Brown really being instrumental in that, and he is now the associate head coach for UH as well. So really excited about Anthony Arsenal from what I've heard and known about him, a good addition to the staff. Yeah, maybe that's the direction that the running backs are deciding to go in more of maybe trying to focus more on that pass-catching skill. You know, of course, I think for what you want out of the running back position, especially in this run-and-shoot, um, you are hope you're hoping – that that offensive line improves from last year so you don't have to bring in basically an extra guy to block every single play, which was Solo Vipulu's role all of last year. So you have a bunch of guys that have a little bit of power to them. You have the hopeful hopeful first year of Derek Boyd as he has mm. spent the last two years with season-ending injuries in the fall practices, unfortunately. You have a couple of guys like Landon Sims, the uh, Butte College transfer, uh, Christian Vaughn as well. But like we know, you have guys like a Tylen Hines. You have a guy like who just came in in Cam Barfield from Boston College, 
also Bishop Gorman guy, who are a little bit smaller, but you're going to be faster and you're going to have better pass catching skills. So maybe that's another direction that they want to get in and having the running back get the ball a little more often. But I think that's what I'm excited for. If I could go to these spring practices, unfortunately, I'm probably going to be working all of them. I'm a little sad about that. But if I were going, that would be the one position group I'd like to watch the most just to see what's done differently there. And if there are players I am going out there to watch, you talk about how we didn't have a lot of transfers this year. I want to focus on this guy, Deckel Crowdis from the University of Kentucky. Spent the last two years kind of a special teams guy mostly, former four-star guy, slot receiver looking kind of guy. But he is also has some punt return experience. So maybe this is a guy that's looking to come in and plug in as our punt returner or even a kickoff returner. Uh, as we know, last year, that was kind of a struggle in special teams, having a guy that could consistently, you know, catch punts and kickoffs. Who are, I'm drawing a blank right now for running back. Who is a running back who came on towards the end of the year for Hawaii? Did a oh, pretty good uh, Cordero, David Cordero. Cordero. Yeah, I mean, he showed he a lot. He also showed a lot. He did. I, I was really impressed with what he did over the stretch of games near the end of the season. So, yeah, the, you got a lot of depth. Uh, at that position, that is for sure. Do, have we heard what times the practices will be? Is it, is it the normal? I believe it's the normal seven to nine. Seven, okay, seven to nine. I know. Was, I, I figured it would probably be in the morning, and uh, we'll try to catch up more of that. We're trying to get one of the new assistant coaches uh, on the show, and we're hoping to do that hopefully tomorrow. As well, they my, keep adding more. So yeah, sure, too. It, it so helps more to us choose out from. Yeah, there. definitely more to choose from. And my phone was just going off uh, on that topic. Uh, can't answer it now, but that was the topic about getting one of the assistants on. So. I'll try to clarify that before the show is over today. 808-296-1420 is our number. Uh, you can text us at that number as well. As we've uh, got a lot of football, a lot of basketball to get into, we'll talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame a little bit later. But one of the things about Anthony Arsenault being running backs coach, you're seeing some local connections, more local connections, brought home with Jeff Reinbold and Dan Morrison. And then you look at Kenny Niamatololo and what he's done in the first two days at San Jose State, meaning Craig Stutzman. And I, I am curious, I think we all are, is he going to get more of local coaches, a local connection on his staff? Uh, I know when I think it was Dave Reardon's article today talks about maybe uh, Billy Ray Stutzman. Is he going to be available? And he worked with, with Kenny at, at Navy. So they are familiar with each other being on the same staff. We'll have to wait and see. think also the fact that Kenny and that staff, just with Kenny and Craig Stutzman right now, are probably going to key a little bit more in Hawaii. And I'm not saying Brent Brennan didn't because he did. Obviously, Chevin Cordero, enough said right there. But I'm not sure how much of an effort it was overall in the recruiting compared to what Kenny might do with some of the connections he and Craig Stutzman have uh, as well over the years. And one of the things, and I wasn't aware of this until yesterday about San Jose State and Kenny Niamatololo, they don't play Hawaii this year. They're not on the schedule. So everybody's looking like, wow, what's going to happen when Kenny goes up? And he's played or coached against Hawaii when he was at Navy. Not often. It's happened, I believe, at least two or three times over the years. But San Jose State, uh, like the, the way the big uh, Mountain West works right now, it's not going to be where you play them every year. Rotating schedule, no divisions, remember? So it wasn't where you still play the same teams in your division, those five and three in the other division, no more of that. Uh, you still play eight conference games. Actually, it'll be seven this year. Uh, that's another kind of side topic with Washington State on the schedule but not counting as a conference game, and we don't want to get too confusing right there. But San Jose State is not on the schedule 
for this year, and I think that'll draw a lot of attention once they are. And when Chevin came down here, it was kind of the same thing. We had a lot of more attention on those games as if it needed more attention, but with a local connection makes it even more interesting. So what we'll do now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, speaking of the Spartan, not the devil, uh, San Jose State, Kenny Niamatololo will join the Sports Animals. We'll get his take on the last three or four days in his coaching career and more coming up on ESPN Honolulu, 92 2.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, the Sports Animals on this Day Wednesday morning on ESPN Honolulu. We are uh, efforting to get Kenny Niamatololo on. I'm sure he'll pick up in just a second or two. And he and Timmy Chang uh, both scheduled on our station today. And uh, couldn't work it out with Timmy on the Bobby Curran show. That will be rescheduled. And I'm hoping we won't have to do that with Kenny. And hopefully he will be joining us in just a minute or two. Hey, so we got a text message and we were talking a minute or two ago about Anthony Arsenault being the new running backs coach for the University of Hawaii. And somebody texted in wondering about the what happened to the old running backs coach. Uh, we did have Keiki Missipeka. He was the running backs coach, and he has been reassigned. The texter wanted to know if these coaches were fired. Uh, he was reassigned. He will be uh, based on recruiting and strictly and solely recruiting, which I, I think is great in that you can never have enough people on your staff to recruit. That's what feeds college football and makes college football teams as good as they can be or as good as they are with the recruiting being, the, you know, that kind of a difference maker. So he has added to the recruiting staff. Uh, so he is reassigned. And I know people were asking a few weeks ago with Jacob Yoro, he has been, I guess, reassigned and he'll be just coaching the positions in the secondary now uh, with uh with we knew with uh, Dennis Thurman, excuse me, as the new defensive coordinator, and hopefully we'll have Dennis Thurman on next week. We're working, as I said, to get on uh, the new assistant coaches, and what I'm told is we might be able to get him on next week, and we'll just go through the list of all these assistants. I know a lot of people would like to hear from them, so I just wanted to point that out about. Uh, some of the assistant coaches. Now, two other assistant coaches, one of them, Ian Shoemaker, who was the co-offensive coordinator, he just wasn't retained. And I, I don't know if you want to say he was terminated, fired, but he just wasn't retained. I believe his contract was up. Assistants work on those one-year deals, so not sure where he is right now. And then they lost the uh, safeties coach, whose name is escaping me right now, Steve Ver uh, Irvin, I believe is his name. So a couple of coaches were reassigned on the staff. So again, when you can add to the recruiting part of it, I think that really, really helps getting more people on staff. And we, you know, it seems almost unthinkable that how many years ago, and maybe this wasn't as much the norm back then, which wasn't that long ago, where you had a recruiting coordinator. Uh, I know Nate Elawa, when he got first hired as a staff member of this team, he was in charge of recruiting, or player personnel might have been the exact title for Nate Elawa. He is now a, an on-field assistant coach. Uh, Savannah Rayer, Ryer, excuse me, the ex-Wahiti basketball player, she was in charge of recruiting, and she still is, but she'll have, I think, Missy Pekka underneath her now as far as helping in the recruiting area. But that wasn't always the case. I don't remember specifically anybody with Norm Chow that was in charge of recruiting. 
Now, I know Norm Chow's first year, Tony Tuioti, I believe, was in charge of player personnel. He was the only assistant coach retained by Norm Chow from Coach Maxstaff. But he wasn't an on-field assistant, and he only lasted one year. But he moved on to a lot bigger and, I guess, better things, too. He went to Michigan. He was with the Cleveland Browns. He was with Nebraska, now with Oregon. I mean, he's been uh, pretty big time since he left the University of Hawaii, and that's good for him. Uh, and his large family. But uh, I, I think that's something that we've seen more and more of. And again, I'm not sure how it was for other colleges, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, as far as recruiting staffs or coordinators. But it definitely is something that's more normal uh, nowadays, that's for sure. And uh, 808-296-1420 is our number if you want to talk some UH football. Really uh, want to get into the basketball a little bit more next hour when Justin McCoy will join us uh, talking about the big home game against Santa Barbara. Uh, we've got some NBA topics to get into a little bit later as well as far as a coaching surprise, not only a coaching surprise and a termination and also the same team, and you might guess that it's Milwaukee, with a coaching hire as well. Those kind of both both situations were rather surprising and it turned around really quickly where twenty four hours ago Milwaukee still had their head coach, but not quite the same right now. We're gonna do some ticket giveaways, as I said, for tomorrow night for the men against Santa Barbara. What I, I am really interested in as well with talking UH basketball is how the crowds are going to be for Rainbow Wahine basketball next week. Because we've seen those crowds increase basically, I think, the last four home games in a row. And last Saturday, I saw the announced attendance turnstile of about 1,247, I believe. The game before that was, I believe, in the 700 range. I think it was 796, if I'm not mistaken, last Thursday against Long Beach State. Uh, they were 500, 400. They've been going up. That, that part is definite. And the more this team wins, and, you know, Chris brought it up yesterday, and we've been talking a lot about that, the team a lot in the last couple of weeks, even more so, because of their success and also the support that a lot of people are asking for and hoping for. And it seems like the numbers have increased. And I think there's still a lot of – there's always been a lot of fans of this team. And as most of us, I would believe, know, and not everybody, winning helps. When you win, people show up. There's more interest. Uh, there's definitely a lot of interest in the men's team, some of their struggles here and there. But when you're winning like the ladies have and back-to-back -back Big West champions, you can see how the interest grows usually in March around those years. Uh, but this year it's starting a little early because people realize what a great product we have. And it uh, starts with Laura Beaton, definitely starts with the, the team, uh, what she has done with this program overall. And what I love about it, among many factors, about the Rainbow Wahine basketball team is that it's not just a one-year deal. And some teams are going to have that great year. For the Big West, it seems like it's been Hawaii and UC Davis for the most part the last several years. I think there was a seven-year stretch where it was only those two teams winning the Big West championship. That streak, I believe, has continued with Hawaii winning the last two. Uh, it's hard to maintain that. There are some times where you'll get uh, you know, somebody having a really, really good year, but it might not be a two- or three- or four-year stretch. Now, you're going to get the usual suspects in men's and women's basketball that are going to be dominant. They're going to be on top for a really long time. In fact, I saw something last night where South Carolina on the women's side, who is currently number one in the top 25 poll, they are playing defending champs LSU, and I believe it's coming up this weekend. Tickets are going for $3,000. 
Think about that. $3,000 for a regular season game. And I think it's great. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, put it down or be negative about it. I think it's great that they've been able to, you know, draw the attention that they have on the women's side. And I don't think it's slowing down. I think it's still increasing, and there's more really good teams. It's not just the Yukons and Tennessees that we saw in the 90s and 2000s, maybe the early 2000s. We're seeing those teams still, well, maybe uh, UConn is, I think, eighth or ninth in the country. They were 16-3 and three when I looked last week. Tennessee, not quite the same, but you got all these other teams, like a South Carolina, as an example, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Baylor, Stanford. Uh, we saw the record set by uh, Coach Vanderveer last uh, Sunday, I believe, all-time winning as coach in men or men's or women's basketball with 1,203 breaking Coach K's record. So I love to see how it, the popularity is increasing. Uh, I saw something last week where somebody said the women's Final Four used to be, you know, something that would lose money for the NCAA and the television partners. Not anymore. It's become a really profitable product, and that's because it's a really good product. And uh, so that looked great to see in sports, and it kind of shows on the women's side for Rainbow Wahine basketball as well. Okay, I want to get to a text here, and this came in. It says, different subject. When driving to the parking structure to watch a game at the arena, the color of the closed gates are green and the open gates are red. <laughs> wow. I think it should be the other way around, since green stands for go and red stands for stop. Your thoughts? Well, my first thought is I don't have a thought. I have not noticed that, even though I go into the parking structure and I leave the parking structure every night when I go to a game. I have not noticed the color of the closed gates or the open gates. I didn't know they had a color on these gates. So uh, if anybody knows, well, I mean, we know the answer with that those colors, as you say in the text, are maybe misplaced as far as green for go and red for stop. But uh, interesting text there. Now when I go to the arena tomorrow night, I'm going to be looking for that. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. But thank you for that text. We're going to do some tickets to give away. In fact, we'll do some coming up right after this break. We've got a pair of tickets for the men's game tomorrow against Santa Barbara. I mean, Win or lose, that's one thing that I can honestly say is that almost every single game, in fact, I can only think of one game that wasn't close to the wire or the game that Hawaii was maybe trailing or taking over at the end. Only one game this year that I've seen at home where they've been out of it in the last two, three minutes, and that was Irvine, unfortunately, two weeks ago tomorrow, where it's the first time I can remember seeing fans leave early because Hawaii was kind of out of it. Now, they did make it a 10-point margin of uh, defeat, 60-50 to 50 on a late shot. I think it was Tom Beatty at the buzzer. But that game was a little, not really surprising. It was, a little, it, was, it was a little disappointing that fans left, but I can understand it because, again, that's something we don't usually see for these home games. My point about the Santa Barbara game, tomo Santa Barbara game tomorrow is that these games are really entertaining and exciting. Sometimes they're disappointing. And when you lose a game like, you know, Irvine a couple of weeks ago or some of the other ones, it's really disappointing. But you're still being entertained. The drama is there. The product, I feel, is good. Uh, this team still has no quit in them. And I know it's been a tough stretch, uh, but they still have time to turn things around. We're going to take a break. But when you, we come back, we will announce the winner because if you are caller number three, at 808-296-1420. You will be the winner of a couple of tickets for tomorrow's game against Santa Barbara. We'll give you the winner coming up next with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. 
Back we are, Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, the sports animals on this Wednesday morning on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, just did get a message for Kenny Niamatololo. He was just called into, uh, we're told, is kind of a sudden last-minute meeting. Uh, he apologizes. They're working through a lot of things right now, and uh, we are expected to have him on tomorrow. They are apologetic and apologizing for not having him on. So hopefully we'll work it out for Kenny Niamatololo tomorrow morning here on the Sports Animals. We still have time to give out those basketball tickets for tomorrow night. And uh, we got a couple of callers during the break, but we need the next one, caller number three. We've already had two. And if you are the next caller, you will win a pair of tickets for tomorrow night's game against Santa Barbara. And uh, again, Santa Barbara is struggling right now, four and four in the Big West, but they got a talented team. And they're, they might be even more surprising than Hawaii at two and five, and Santa Barbara at four and four. Uh, again, with the talent they've got coming back, they were the regular season champs last year. So they are the defending champs. And, again, A.J. Mitchell, enough said, he is uh, all-conference first-team player last year, uh, preseason this year, and probably postseason as well. But still, they have been struggling. But I wouldn't look past them. Uh, now, to me, and, I, and this is not the right way to approach a game as a player or a coach, but for a fan or maybe in the media, I, I kind of look past Cal Poly a little because they are, they are bad. <laughs> but as bad as they might be, and they are winless, in Big West play. They lost to Bakersfield last week, who was also at the time winless in conference. Bakersfield has now won a couple in a row. But uh, Cal Poly has had a couple of times over the years, even though they're struggling, and right now they're 4-15 and 15 overall. They've got a seven-game losing streak uh, coming into tomorrow night, at least. But they always play tough against Hawaii. They play tough against a lot of Big West teams. And that's something you see in conference play fairly often. You'll see teams that look like they don't have that good of a record, but they can play teams tough. They know each other so well. They know the personnel. They know the schemes. They know the plays. And just being so familiar with their opponent over the years makes it a tougher game than it might appear on paper. And by the way, for Cal Poly, they will be at home tomorrow against Cal State Fullerton. And we have to watch Fullerton because they're tied with Hawaii, as I said. And they got Cal Poly tomorrow, so that's kind of a win for Fullerton, at least on paper. You know, I don't know if things is de ever definite. And then Santa Bar uh, Fullerton will play Bakersfield on Saturday. So Fullerton has a chance to win two games this week. And that's one of our opponents coming up, as I said, next week on the road. And they are tied with Hawaii right now. And again, seventh, eighth, and ninth place, three-way tie right now. And even with uh, those three teams tied, Riverside is only a half game ahead. Santa Barbara, four and four. So even though we're right now at the bottom of the qualifying teams for the Big West tournament, we're also not that far away from fifth or sixth place. And if you win tomorrow... For Hawaii, you'd be three and five versus Santa Barbara being four and five, just a half game in back of them. So, in just a week, in just a week of two games being played, you can make up a lot of ground. And that is important to note because I know there's been negativity around this team of late, and we understand that. I mean, it has been tougher than a lot of people thought. But we're not that far away. And again, with a couple of wins, like I mentioned this weekend, if Hawaii improves to four and five, again, it's still not a great record, of course. But then you're really in the thick of things as far as maybe even fourth, fifth, or sixth place. And so they, in a way, can fix their 
problems. They control their own destiny to a certain extent. And after Saturday, teams will, well, Hawaii will have played nine out of 20 conference games. So we are getting near the midpoint of conference season. Uh, so all is not lost. And again, hopefully they can get that win tomorrow night. Uh, I, I have full confidence in Saturday, but first things first, Santa Barbara is, is always a tough opponent. They and Irvine over the years have given Hawaii the toughest time, that's for sure. Uh, somebody is texting in about Santa Barbara at 808-296-1420 saying, Santa Barbara looked really great against Hawaii at the end of last year. Shows that the Big West is unpredictable, which is great. And it kind of is. I mean, I, you don't want everything going according to chalk, unless it's your team that's expected to win, and then it goes according to chalk. That's fine. But what makes college basketball so fascinating and interesting to me, and I think a lot of us, is that there's not a lot that you can plan on that will go according to plan, according to the predictions. That's an example of the Big West predictions before the season. You know, you're going to get some of the top teams in the country that are going to do what they normally do, and you'll see them like a Kansas. Uh, you're going to see them near the top. And I'll give you one example of a team who was nowhere near the top and was last year probably number one for a while, and I know they lost some players, but that's Gonzaga. Gonzaga has lost Drew Timmy, a couple of other players. They're not ranked right now. And I doubt right now, I'm not sure if they're going to the NCAA tournament. But the usual suspects are usually there. But in a lot of conferences, you have surprises. You'll have a team that will, you know, be a little bit of a surprise. And for maybe this year, right now, it could be San Diego, although it won't matter. Uh, and maybe even CSUN. They're four and three. But they, I believe they lost both games last week. They were doing a lot better. And they're still a pretty good basketball team. I saw, I think it was John Rothstein, who covers college basketball for CBS Sports. And he said something the other day that was incredible, and it could be true. The Mountain West could get more teams into the NCAA tournament than the ACC, which sounds crazy. His point was in the ACC, you got Duke and Carolina as definites. That's about it as far as definite teams. And the other teams are probably bubble teams. And then you look at the Mountain West, you got Utah State is ranked. Uh, Nevada is going to make the tournament. San Diego State's right on the cusp of being ranked again. Boise State, all tournament teams. Uh, they're going to probably get four or five teams in the NCAA tournament. I know fans will say, why can't the Big West do it? Well, not through lack of effort, but it just hasn't happened yet. And uh, so college basketball is starting to heat up as we're getting to the midpoint of conference play. And there's just uh, going to be a crazy February and March. And uh, we're seeing teams rise to the top. But for Hawaii, they still have that chance. And I know people are still hopefully sticking with this team. But some of the comments does make you wonder. Uh, somebody texted, I guess, this parking structure entrance is becoming a hot topic. So somebody texted in saying, good morning. So true about the parking entrance. When you are driving down the hill to the entrance, you can't read the sign far up the hill. I did not notice the color green for close and red for open until attending our first Rainbow Wahine basketball game. Wow, I'm going to really look at that tomorrow night. Uh, I, I would imagine that people driving in know the difference, uh, but maybe somebody can switch it around to have the colors match to make people feel a little bit better. But I have never noticed the colors on the parking gates before. Maybe that's just me. Have you noticed them at all? Time? You go there probably yeah, more I mean, than I do. I think I, I agree with that. It is kind of funny how that does happen. Although I'm, you know, it's a very Americanized culture thing. In some cultures, it's the other way around. So maybe uh, someone is just someone's just in the wrong place, in the wrong state. <laughs> you should get Eric Matthews on that. Maybe that, I'm not sure if that's quite his department. Probably not. Well, that would be. I I, I would assume that that would be. Uh, 
parking. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And I mean, I maybe know, not Eric. Yeah, I mean, he's in charge of the fun game day and game night experiences and all that Captain Fun, as he likes to be called. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But thank you for texting in on that. And just really fast on one of the things: if you've been to Hawaii basketball games this year, uh, what one of the things that Eric has done that I think really. It's not even, I think, it definitely makes a difference with the crowd response and the interaction is the contest they do in the second half of these games where they'll take somebody out of the stand, you have to register or enter, and you get to either get a predetermined prize, and usually it's pretty decent or pretty good, or you can take, it's kind of like, let's make a deal, what's in the big, big box that's or about four or five feet high. Box. The mystery box. Do they do that? Have they done that for the women's games? I haven't really paid enough attention. They do it for the women's games too. Okay, and, and it's great. The crowd. It's my, fa- it's my favorite promotion. You well, you yeah. So I was gonna say you've been there enough, and I've been there enough where the crowd every game gets more and more into it. Uh, and last week, uh, the, for the men's game, I know the well, the guy got like a PlayStation, I think, right? So, yeah, that was, so for the homestand for the men, uh, the kid won the Nintendo Switch. Oh, okay. And okay. then, so for last week, for the women's games, there was a kid who you either, he was either going to get a box of, like, Legos, and then he got the mystery box instead, and instead it was, like, a backpack and a hat. So, which is, like, it's a cool prize, but it's stakes that are needed in the mystery box. Because if the mystery box was good every single time, then what's the point right. of taking the original? Right, point? that's a good point. At the last men's game, the the young boy picked the mystery box. They pick it up, and there's another mystery box that was like one-tenth the size. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a gag gift, so to speak. But that was a Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, good things do come in small packages, I guess. Uh, that was kind of cool to see. But that promotion works out really, really well. Let's get a phone call in before our break. John is on the phone. Hey, John. Uh, hey, good morning. Hi. Man, I'm, I'm wondering if the scheduling is for the men's basketball is just the wrong wrong way to do it. But, like, Beeman, Beeman really challenges her team. You know, put them against good con- competition. Where, on the men's side, we're playing pansies. You know, you're, if you're running your sets against HPU or New Age Hilo and all that stuff, and then you got to play real teams in the conference that, that know your sets good. It just doesn't seem to work out. Where Beeman, she hits, she hits conference, and the team is, you know, the record is not that good, but because they played good people, and, and then they come into conference and they're solid. Where the men, they get a good record, but they come to the conference and they're weak, and then they reach the postseason, they're even weaker. You I, know, you know, I, yeah. I, well, go ahead. I, I really, it makes me really appreciate Wallace what he did. Man, we were in a tough conference. You know, we had to play Utah, BYU. We had to play TCU. There were there were some really solid teams, and we, we went to the NCAA tournament during those times. We were we were competitive almost every year. We had real stars on the team, and you know, much respect to Riley Wallace for all that he did. Just looking back on his career. Okay, listen off the air, John. I'll respond to your comment. Well, totally agree about Riley Wallace. A lot of respect for him, and this topic gets brought up a lot this year with both men's and women's scheduling. And I'll say the same thing I've been saying to anybody who brings it up. It's two different animals. It's totally different. For the men, they can't 
Well, yeah, for the most part, it's really difficult, almost impossible to schedule the Kansases and Indianas like they did in 98. There are way more preseason tournaments than there that now that there were 20 years ago, 15 years ago, most of them on national TV or at least regionally covered. And teams don't want to play to, in Hawaii if they can play in one of those tournaments, which gives them more exposure. It's an exempt tournament, which means those three games for that tournament don't count on their allotment of games, kind of like the Diamond Head and the Rainbow Classic. Those games don't count, which is one of the reasons you get pretty good teams here, especially for the Diamond Head. The other part, and again, it's not comparing men and women right now, but conference play starts earlier and earlier. Uh, it, it never started before New Year's up until maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe a little longer. It used to be after January 1st, and conference play starts for everybody. Now it starts in early December. And if you're a team that needs these conference games, which should be that important and usually are, even if they're played early on, you don't want to travel that far around a conference game. And I've heard coaches say that. That's one of the reasons they won't come to the diamond head is because conference play is going on full, full blast in late December. Even though you might not have games that week, you're still in conference playing. You don't want to take that travel. At that, at that point. Now, some teams love the comments, a good recruiting tool, and still a great tournament nationally t televised with ESPN's network, but it's really different how it is for scheduling. Now, for the women, you don't have as many preseason tournaments. You don't. Uh, so that's one of the reasons you can get, you know, some of the Stanford's and some of the other teams to come here. And I remember Laura Beeman telling us a while ago that, you know, for Stanford, it's not like you're even giving them a guarantee like you do on the men's side. So it is really different. I'll expand on this. We'll get some more of your text as well coming up in just a minute. And we also want to let you know we have a winner. Analu won the tickets for Rainbow Warrior Basketball against Santa Barbara tomorrow. He's got a pair. We'll do a couple more coming up next hour. Back in a minute with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Couldn't wait until 8 a.m. Chris Hart is joining I, uh, the show slept, now. I slept in a little bit. Sorry oh, about that. What's that like? Oh, man. <laughs> that was awesome, man. That was great. Man, thank you, uh, Tanner, for holding the fort down. The uh, I wanted to, I was talking to the guys off the air here, and um, I was uh, talking about the student section last night, our radio program out at AutoSource. By the way, if you have a kid in college, they got a great uh, student leasing program. You pay a, you pay one fee and then a monthly uh, payment. It's like a leasing program for a kid, uh, for a college and uh, part-time, full-time uh, kids. And what it does is you you uh, you lease this car. They, they you know they take care of their maintenance, everything. All you do is pay insurance, fill it up with gas, go to class. So it's a great deal, uh, and um, you can check it out on thecarousel.com. So, like, if the kids go back to the mainland or you're not going to use the lease for a couple of months, you just put a halt to it. You know, like you're a 20, member of 24-Hour Fitness. You're like, hey, I'm going to be out of town for a month. So you put your membership on hold. Same thing with the, the carousel leasing program. It's an unbelievable deal. It is Great. a really good deal. Yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to let uh, folks know about that. It's kind of the reason we do the show to kind of promote that deal. We do it down at AutoSource. But, anyway, so we have the student section. And the kids, uh, our guests, were... Um, Aliyah Bantolina and Tehani Doktar, uh, great basketball players for Campbell High School. I don't know. I don't know if you uh, or follow this stuff, but the Campbell girls are just on fire. Great basketball team. 
And uh, what great parents. They did a great job of raising these kids. Nice, respectful, smart, articulate. Uh, there were a couple of our guests. And the other, our other guests, uh, with Cole and myself, we do the show once a month, was, uh, was um, Micah Alejado and Christian Perry. Now, Christian Perry is a JUCO tackle transfer from, I think, Riverside Community College. And, uh, you know, th- this is a big kid. This is a this is an NFL sized kid. Now, I don't think he's three hundred pounds, but I don't think you have to be in the mountain. He might be two eighty five, something like that. Who? who I, it's hard to tell. But the guy's like six seven, six eight, and what great kids these guys are. Micah Alejado, uh, and you know what? I'm I used to be five ten. I say this all the time. Probably like five eight and a half. I can confirm Alejado is taller than me. People were worried about his size. In fact, Cole asked him the question, you know, you have all these great stats. You're on the, you know, national champion team and all of that, yet you don't get a lot of um, recruiting um, sniffs. You don't get a lot of attention in recruiting and offers and things like that. He goes, well, I don't look like a quarterback. And you know what? He doesn't. When Braden Shager walks into the room, Braden Shager looks looks like a quarterback. 6'3", 220, whatever it is. Even Cole Brennan looked like a quarterback. Timmy Chang looks like a quarterback, kind of. He was a little skinny back in the day. Now he looks like a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, but with Alejado, he doesn't look like a quarterback. That, that, you know, He doesn't pass there, as he said, it, the eye test as he walks into a room. So I'm excited. He knows his place. He knows he's here to learn. He knows that Braden Shager is the starting quarterback. And he's going to do whatever he can to help this University of Hawaii football team, uh, you know, succeed. Now, coming up, we got our top headlines, including UH football spring camp just five days away. That's coming up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Sports Animals uh, back in the 8 o'clock hour here. Keep listening. More Rainbow Warrior tickets to give away. We will have a Rainbow Warrior join us in about 30 minutes. Justin McCoy uh, is going to be on the radio uh, coming up. And uh, it's game day eve for all of our court sports. Men's volleyball is on the road. Rainbow Wahine getting set to uh, get her done on the road. And the Rainbow Warriors facing UCSB. Uh, let's see, what day is today? Tomorrow at the Stan Sheriff Center. Those are the tickets we're giving away. As you said, basketball eve, or even volleyball eve for that matter. And Court for the sport men, eve. Yes, for the men and women, uh, important games for different reasons. For the ladies, they're going up against the team, a half game in back of them in Santa Barbara. It's a road game, which doesn't really seem to... Uh, uh, really make them face adversity too much on the road. They've been such a good road team, not only this year, but over the years. Still, it's a road game in Santa Barbara, pretty good. On the men's side, I would have expected the same kind of scenario with the men going up against Santa Barbara. Maybe a month ago, I would have thought it. Both teams, though, struggling right now. Santa Barbara at 4-4, four and four, Hawaii at 2-5. and five. Okay. Uh, Doc Rivers is now the head coach. He's back in the NBA. Uh, he's the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. 
So ESPN has an opening for our NBA analyst, if anybody's looking to apply, because he was with ESPN. I was surprised that Adrian Griffin got let go. Now, people are wondering the same thing. Why was he let go, the former Milwaukee coach, at 30-13? and 13? That's crazy. Second-best record in the East. Apparently, he's lost a locker room. Oh, Giannis really? Is not, yeah, Giannis is not oh, on the Giannis same level Oh, Giannis got him fired. Well, Giannis, and I don't know if he got him fired, but Dame Lillard also supposedly struggling with his offensive sets. And when you lose the wow. locker room and you lose those stars, then it makes sense. Yeah, and I guess they. I was watching a Sports Center, and I guess it's they're, they're like horrible on defense. Apparently, they went from like third to twenty fourth, and something like that. I guess that has something to do with it too. Probably so. And again, the record is really good. Now, Doc Rivers was a consultant for Adrian Griffin, the now former head coach, so he's probably more familiar with Milwaukee. You know, he's a really good coach. I don't think he's an elite coach. He's won one title with the big three in Boston or big four. But right. still, he's got the experience, and I think they probably went through Giannis and Dame Lillard to make sure they approve. Well, maybe he's just a, uh, a Band-Aid coach for now. All right, uh, we are five days away from Rainbow Warrior football spring camp. The countdown is on. Real excited to get our first glimpse of this team. We're usually one of the first teams to start our season in week zero, and I believe we got to be one of the first teams to start spring practice in January. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it as well. we got the new coaching staff that we've heard so much about. I think that's going to uh, show improvement with this team or have show that they can improve. And also the fact that you got some of these early enrollees, like you mentioned, Mike Alejado. You know, he could still be in high school and Bishop Gorman getting ready for his prom or whatever. He is here. He's enrolled at UH right now. I love when players can do that and want to do that. All right. And uh, Derek Inouchi, shout out to you up at UH. Thank you very much. In the next couple of days, because there's so many coaching changes going on, we appreciate uh, all the hard work that Derek Inouchi does, uh, not only for the media, but up there at the University of Hawaii. But the um, so... They, they're in the process of updating the uh, the coaching roster online. But uh, he sent us something early um, just to kind of keep us all on the same page. I heard you earlier on the air wondering who coached what. Um, the head coach is Timmy Chang. I guess we'll just start at the top. <laughs> but um, the associate head coach and linebackers coach is Chris Brown right uh defensive coordinator and he'll be in charge of cornerbacks is dennis thurman uh the incoming um uh veteran coach so last year it was steve irvin who handled the cornerbacks um special teams coordinator remains thomas sheffield co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach is dan morrison Roman Sapolu is a co-offensive coordinator and coach of the offensive line. Anthony Arsenault, as we heard yesterday, is the new running backs coach. Jared Ursua remains the wide receivers coach. Jeff Reinbold is the defensive tackles coach. Jordan Pu'u Robinson will handle defensive ends. And Jacob Yoro who was the defensive coordinator in safeties last year. He'll stay with the safeties this year. So he's reassigned, but kind only half of, half of his job has been reassigned. So that's kind of your lineup as we head into spring practice of University of uh, Hawaii coaches and where they are. Now, I don't see 
um, Nate Ilawa's name on here. I don't see, I don't know the exact titles because there's a staff. Matt Chan, Matthew Chan is the chief of staff. And with the chief of staff, there's other staff jobs. Uh, director, and, and you know what? Let me pull this up for you because some folks might be amazed at, um, you know, what goes in to supporting a football team. You have your administration and your athletic department and, you know, all of the people in the office, and you have your coaches. But, I mean, if this was Alabama, I'd be reading off about 19 names. <laughs> but if this is, but here at the University of Hawaii, uh, your coaching staff also will include, uh, they call it a support staff. So Coach Cody, I guess he's not, he, uh, he's the strength and conditioning coach. He's the head of strength and conditioning for football. I would think that that guy would be listed as part of the coaches, but he's part of the staff, I guess. But um, Coach Cody is still there. You also will have a director of player personnel, director of football operations, director of player development, director of recruiting, a video coordinator, uh, let's see, an offensive analyst, a defensive in, uh, analyst. Hey, shout out to my man, P.J. Manaya. Uh, a special teams analysis. You've got four graduate assistants. You've got an assistant strength and conditioning coach. So you've got, besides just the coaches, you have two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15 other guys on the staff. And uh, so where these guys are, and if there's new graduate assistants, all of this kind of stuff, it's, it's you know, I, that'll be on the website in the next couple of days at hawaiiathletics.com. I just realized that we, this past year, had a graduate assistant with the, uh, the coolest parents because they named the kid, because his first name is Winterhawk. <laughs> How cool is that? Winterhawk. I love it. Anyway, so there you go. That's your lineup and your update of coaches and their roles at the University of Hawaii as we head into uh, spring camp coming up in a few days. What was PJ's title? Was he an analyst on offense? I, I think so. I just I, I X'd out of it. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, all those support staff members, that's a high amount. And I don't remember that even 10, 15 years ago to have some of those titles intact for this team, for this program. And I think mm -hmm. maybe that's the norm of college football where there's more support staff, there's more recruiting people, because that's obviously, the, you know, the bloodline for everybody. But it seems like there's a lot more than there used to be, which is great. You need more people on the recruiting end to do the other stuff that can really help. You can only have so many on-field coaches, but the support right. staff, which is what Nick Saban kind of did a lot, getting former head coaches on the support staff and you know, yeah. kind of work them in. If we got 15 guys, Alabama's got to have like 30 yeah, of them. Because I don't think there was a limit on how many you can have right, right. as far as support staff. That's why you've had at Alabama they have a number of consultants and uh, all that kind of stuff. Not just at Alabama. I'm just throwing that name out. A lot of... Uh, Power Five schools have these, uh, you know, these big-time consultants that are helping them out. But you know, because nowadays you need somebody, you you got somebody, somebody's got to deal with the the NILs, somebody's got to deal with the transfer portal. You know, your head coach is in charge of pulling the trigger on a lot of this stuff, not NILs, uh, unless you're, you know, like Gib Arnold or something. But the, <laughs> I just kidding. But 
you, you know, he's, he's somebody's got to keep track of all of this stuff, right? And it's oh, not. Oh, yeah. And I don't. I don't know which person on the staff does that, but you know, there's. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff to deal with. I've seen a lot of basketball teams recently, because I look at their rosters, especially teams that have played here, let's say, in the Diamond Head, and they've got an NIL guy on their staff. I mean, the title might be NIL consultant or whatever it is, but that is something we've never saw before. And even when NIL started, it wasn't supposed to include the school. It was outside the school. But now, again, a lot of schools do have an NIL person, which is so different than it used to be, but it makes sense as well. And it's legal now to be able to do something like that. So why not use it to your advantage if you can? Okay, let's uh, get some texts at 808-296-1420. I think this guy, uh, this is a second text on uh, what happened to the running backs coach last year. He was not retained. So these coaches are not getting fired. Don't use the word fired or anything like that. That's uh, it's it's negative and untrue. You don't want that on your resume. They were not retained. They're, they're, as Gary mentioned last hour, they play on a series of one-year contracts, and a couple of these guys were not retained. So that's what happened to um, Keiki. But he's still that's, on staff. He's in. He's just focusing solely on recruiting Missy Pekka. So he was the running backs coach, but now he's going to be on the recruiting oh, okay. side. Okay. So that's what we don't have yet. So he's one of, on one of those recruiting or player personnel or something like that. I think he'll be working under Savannah Ryer, from well, what I heard. Okay, good. That is awesome. Somebody else texted in that associate coach doesn't sound like football speak. I like assistant better. Well, they're all assistant. Well, see, you only have really one, two, three, four, five assistant coaches on this football team. You have five assistant coaches three coordinators, an associate head coach, and a head coach. Associate, see, I, I mean, you can call him assistant head coach, I guess. Maybe associate head coach pays more than assistant head coach. That yeah. means he's the guy who takes over if the head coach gets ejected. It, it probably does, doesn't yeah, it? that's part of it. That's not the main reason they're associate, but, yeah, that, that comes what, with the territory. Towards the end of the Jones era and the Coach Mac, excuse me, the Coach Mac era, was Rich Miano, he was an associate head coach, too, I believe, because he took over. Yes, he was the interim coach after Coach Mack got let go in the offseason, yes. And I, belie- I believe for Not, part of that time. Oh, in the offseason, yeah. I believe he was an associate for part of that time near the well, end. Well, he was as an well, associate yeah. head coach, and then he was the interim head coach yeah, when yeah. he took over for Coach Mack. Yeah. And then he didn't get an interview or something. <laughs> Remember that? that All big controversy? true, true, true. He didn't get an interview. He didn't inter- the guy's holding the program together, and they don't interview you for the next job. How rude. Who was the, who was the athletic director back then? I believe it was David Matlin. I think it was Jim Donovan. Whoever <laughs> fought. Whoever fired Coach Mack, it was David Mack. Oh, that was Jim Donovan. You're right. At that time, it was Jim Donovan when Coach Mack got Right, because he'll, he waits till the banquet to pull you into a room while you're celebrating the football team, and then you fire him at the banquet. Or you fire your women's basketball coach in, in the tunnel. Or, you know, before she can even get on a plane and get to the airport, whatever it was. Yeah, that's I don't tough. That's a tough way to do things. Hey, that's a tough way to receive the news, right? Oh, big time, big time. I mean, it's just hey. After you're eliminated, I couldn't believe that. Stop by my office on Monday. Should have been fine. (laughs) Yep. Quarter after eight here with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Weather today is well. They say it's going to be breezy with scattered showers mostly in the afternoon. High in the upper seventies today. Low in the upper sixties. Winds are be. uh, uh, southwesterly, 15 to 20.
And we got some possible rain tomorrow, but it should be mostly sunny. So enjoy the coolness today on Beer Can Appreciation Day. Hey, hey, hey. hey you got to love Beer Can Appreciation Day. If you're a bottle guy today, celebrate the beer can. Is there a bottle beer appreciation day at the question, though? I don't think so, because people already appreciate the bottle. That's so not go fair. Back to, go back to the cans. It makes your cooler much lighter. I'm not speaking from experience <laughs> <Yeah>. or anything. <laughs> You've heard about that, right? Here we go. All right, time for our um, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union uh, bulletin board here. And uh, we are urging, I, I want to do this every single day and urge people that the Blood Bank of Hawaii needs your help every single day. It is a constant battle. Right now, they urgently need O and A negative type donors. If you could, could you donate today? You can register at bbh.org. That's bbh.org or call 808-848-4770. We'll be right back with some tickets to give away on ESPN Honolulu. Let's give away those tickets right now because uh, Justin McCoy is going to be joining us in uh, less than 15 minutes. He's the, uh, he was, is he a power forward? Do I say power forward for UH or just a, or, or do I just say a forward? You can call him a four, a four. Or I was talking forward. with Tehani Doktar last night, uh, star of the Campbell High School basketball team. And I said, are you, I said, are you a four? And she said, I'm a forward. I said, are you a three or a four? She said, I'm a five. I said, that's a center. <laughs> and according to young people, there's no such thing as a center. There's only guards and forwards. Well, that's funny you say that at the end because I mentioned it a few weeks ago. When I look at college basketball especially and I look at the starting lineup, it seems like 95% of the teams have three or four guards, and one or two forwards. Almost never do you see a center listed. Right, that's kind of and funny. that's how it is, but that's but that's how it is nowadays. Yeah, yep. It's, it's hey, that's how, it's in, in high school at least, a lot of them, they don't have a center. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a forward, but I play the five. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was, I, I learned something from the young people. That's why I love doing the show. But I, I, thought it was, I thought it was interesting that on Monday night when Joel Embiid had 70 and Carl Anthony Towns had 62, those are both centers. And those are the guys you would probably least expect to have a scoring number like that. Maybe it would be the guard or some of the forwards who shoot more threes. But both of those guys shoot threes, and both of those centers had those numbers, which is not the norm these days. Okay, I forgot. Be caller number, uh, be caller number three again at 808-296-1420. I forgot to say what caller. Be caller number three, and we'll give you two tickets to the uh, basketball game against Santa Barbara. <laughs> that gets funnier every time I say it. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> at the Stan Sheriff Center. Okay, uh, let's see here. I wanted to, before we get, uh, we'll get, while we get a winner, I wanted to bring up um, something here as far as sports and, and broadcasting. I did not realize this, but Stephen A. Smith is, it, it was reported before that he was like the highest paid dude at ESPN. Now, yes. Nobody's not. Um, when they let's see, Stephen A. Smith uh, was the highest paid at twelve million a year, right? 
And then the Monday Night Football guys, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, earn 18 and 15 million. Okay. They don't even work a whole year. Troy Aikman makes 18 million, Joe Buck 15 million. A million a and game, now, basically. A little more for uh, Troy Aikman. Yeah, yeah. Man. Okay. Now, uh, Pat McAfee, he gets 15 million. Now, Pat McAfee, it's not actually, he doesn't work for ESPN. He's not an employee. I guess that's why he gets away with saying bad words on his show. <laughs> and he works, at least but, he's working five days a week as opposed to one day a week for 17 weeks like Monday night. Guys. Well, they're broadcasting. I'm sure they yeah, work yeah. more than that. They're, you know, they're not, they're doing research and traveling and things. But anyway, uh, so ESPN, he licenses his show. Talk about Pat Mac, McAfee. Yeah. His show is licensed to ESPN, so it's a $15 million a year license fee. So now, uh, with Stephen A. from First Take um, and all the other stuff he does, NBA Countdown, so his contract is up soon, and they're saying that you're probably going to be due $20 million from what everyone else is making. So if Stephen A. is making going to make $20 million a year, uh, look for more cuts at ESPN, I would yeah, think. But, you now... Know- uh, congratulations to Brian and Mililani, who just won the basketball tickets. Thank you, Brian, for listening. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at the stand. Okay, now, um, the question is, though, because Stephen A. Smith is so big and he's so popular, does ESPN need Stephen A. Smith more than Stephen A. Smith needs ESPN? I think it's they A right say now. They, what's that? I think it's A right now. I think they need him more. Right. He's been known to, he wants to talk politics. They're saying, these are media experts, he could come on and have a late-night TV show right now and kick butt. So um, we'll see what happens and comes out of this. But uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, is due for a, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes-type money. He was on the Howard Stern show, I believe, yesterday, and I saw some of the clips online, and he was talking about, like, he wouldn't want to run for president, but what he would want to do is be in a presidential debate, and he said he would kick butt, basically. He also went on a rant last week where he put down Jason Whitlock, calling him, and I'll paraphrase the nicely as I can say it, the worst human being on the planet. He, I guess Jason Whitlock has attacked him over 12 years. He talked about that with Howard Stern, and he went off on him. I guess Whitlock had said things recently. But Stephen A., and I even heard Sage Steele, who was formerly with ESPN now, she was saying that he is probably the hardest-working guy there. It comes across easy, but he is so nice and humble in person. It's it's kind of an act, but he's so good at it, which is kind of what makes him so popular. I appreciated right. those comments. It made him sound better than I had perceived in a way. Well. I, and everywhere you say, he's like the hardest working man in showbiz. He's like, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, Billy V, who you'll see uh, uh, emceeing events at UH. You see him on Hawaii News Now. The guy must never sleep. But Billy V is one of the hardest working people I know as well. It's, it's really cool. We move on now. Uh, coming up, and this is what I think a lot of people are looking for, the Manning cast has been very successful with Peyton and Eli Manning, an alternative broadcast to, is it Monday Night Football? Yes, yes. So Monday Night Football. I've, I've only seen clips. I've never actually sat there and watched the whole thing. I've taped a few, and it's really, really, really good. Now, people are saying that, um, so 
Travis, Jason Kelsey has announced that he's going to retire. And then now he's saying, well, maybe not. I don't know. We take it year by year. What Michelle Tavoy uh, was interviewed, and she thinks that Jason Kelsey is going to retire. Travis Kelsey is also going to retire. And they're going to have the Kelsey cast. She says she can see it for uh, NBC Sunday Night Football alternative cast with the Kelseys on um, Peacock. And uh, it would, you know, it's they already work together and have great, you know, of course they have great chemistry. They're brothers. They have a, a podcast called New Heights, what a lot of people have actually checked it out. But uh, I could see the Kelsey cast and Taylor Swift appearing on it. And, uh, you know, uh, it would be very, very cool for football fans. It doesn't sound that far-fetched, and I don't know how their relationship works, but maybe if you want to spend more time with Taylor Swift, you retire, do the Kelsey cast, or, it's a little or bit easier. Or maybe he's 34 years old and all busted up. <laughs> that retired. could be part of it, too. But J- Jason Kelsey, I mean, he's just fantastic. He went on the podcast yesterday with Travis saying how his wife was so upset with him for drinking without his shirt on. That was the first time he met Taylor Swift. And she said, you better make a good impression. She was not happy with his impression. And one of his kids came on and talked about the fact that uh, that dad looked a little bit uh, overweight with his shirt off and jiggling a little bit. Well, because dad has to put on that weight to be an NFL offensive lineman. Yeah. I'm sure some of that will go uh, when he does stop playing. And he's like 36 years old. I mean, he's, I a, so, yeah. he's, a, he's a lot older uh, than uh, Travis Kelsey. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in a news desk here, but Netflix and WWE have agreed to a massive broadcasting deal. We had talked off the air, and I think it came on uh, the news wires yesterday afternoon, but you and I were talking off the air about The Rock finally getting to the rights to the name The Rock. All of these years, the WWE owned that name, The Rock. Now he became a part of the WWE board, I don't know, board of directors, board, whatever. He's on the board, and I guess to be on this board, they said, hey, can you come on our board? And he's like, well, give me my name back. And they're all like, okay. But anyway, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, Netflix will be the exclusive home coming up in 2025, so a year from now in January. Netflix will be the exclusive home of Monday Night Raw. I don't know the difference between Monday Night Raw and anything else. Not putting it down, but I, you know, I, I don't watch wrestling anymore. But I know that it is immensely popular. Right, right. So they, so they have a, uh, it's something like like a five billion dollar deal. Netflix gets to broadcast Monday Night Raw, paying them. Five billion dollars. Does that mean our subscriptions are going to go up again? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Come on. Eight thirty-one with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk Rainbow Warrior basketball. They're in action tomorrow night. Uh, their forward Justin McCoy joins us next here on the radio. And if you're getting ready for some uh, football watching, do it at eight fifty Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar right there at Leeward Bowl. You can check out the video wall. And their brand new menu. I was in there. Uh, I walked into the kitchen yesterday, and Chef David was in there. He was uh, pounding the heck out of some pork chops. He looked very angry, but I guess that's just uh, you know part of the job. I think they pound out the pork chops 
So they're all the same size. So you cook it all at the same time. Some might be thicker than others. Or do they pound out pork chops because that'll make it less tough? I should have asked while I was there. But he was anyway, angry, so it's probably better you didn't. Oh, he wasn't angry. I thought he was because he was hitting it with such force. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so they got a new chef. They got a great new menu. And, uh, and it's a great place with all those video screens, too, to watch football. That's 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Plenty kind free parking, too. We'll be right back with UH Basketball's Justin McCoy. Oh, the winds are going to blow today. Southwesterly winds today, 15 to 20. Might have some higher gusts, so be careful about that. It will be breezy, maybe a couple of scattered showers here and there today. High in the upper 70s. Let's hope it stays that way. All right, you got Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. And joining us now from the University of Hawaii basketball team, we say aloha to Justin McCoy. Justin, thank you so much for joining us first time on the show. We appreciate you joining us for a few minutes. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Now, I know you guys are getting ready for the big game against Santa Barbara. I first want to talk about last week's road trip. I know it didn't uh, work out the way you guys wanted, but last Thursday, especially in that first half, it seemed like you were in the zone. 19 first-half points. You started the game with a three. You ended the first half with a three. What was it like Woo! for you as far as being in the zone? How did you feel during especially that first half last week? Um, it just felt good. Like We had a flow going. Um, I think all our guys – and I have an idea of our roles for the team. And we just kind of, I guess, start out better every half. I feel like we're, we're always getting behind and playing catch-up, and we end up doing well. But um, when we try to catch up in the second half, but if we can start out the first half like we did the second half, I think we could put it all together. But overall, I think, yeah, I was in the zone. Um, my guys hit me in the spots when I was open, and they made it really easy for me. When you're in a game like that and you're having such a great first half, we know that Long Beach State's seeing what you're doing in that first half, and they had a uh, obviously a big effort to slow you down in the second half. What is that like for you when you see a team really concentrating on you because of your early success and trying to achieve that also in the second half? Uh, I would say that my biggest mindset is just to stay ready and, and like to shoot the ball and, and be shot ready to be a threat but also just to allow myself to be on the court to help my other guys uh, get open as well. You know, when they're focused on me, they're not so focused on other guys, and I think that that's what helped us come back as well is that everyone else was missing shots early. They started getting shots going because they're not going to miss shots an entire game. And so when they're focused on me, other guys are hitting, and you know, we were able to come back from that 20-point lead. And so I think that that's pivotal. Um, not every game is going to be about getting, you know, a bunch of big numbers, but, I mean, as long as the team is doing well, we need to – continue to, you know, do what we're doing. Number one, Justin McCoy joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. You'll see him and the team in action against Santa Barbara tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. You know, last Saturday, Justin, in that San Diego game, I know it had to be frustrating and disappointing. I thought you guys, for the most part, played a pretty good game. But San Diego is really good, and Bryce Pope is obviously the real deal. What is it like for the team when you're playing better basketball than you did on Thursday? I think the team did play better. Still, though, falling up a little short against a quality team. How frustrating is that or isn't it after a loss like that? Um, I would say the biggest thing we looked at, and, um, you know, of course, it's, you know, it's frustrating because you, you want to get every road game you can and home game, especially in conference. But um, 
I would say that the biggest thing is we're, you know, we, we always look at the game and, and look at ourselves. And at the end of the day, uh, we just have way too many turnovers. San Diego, we had 20 turnovers. And I don't think really many of them were forced. I just think they were they were mainly on us. And so when you look at a game and look at that, I mean, 20 possessions where you could have either had a shot on the rim or maybe gotten an offensive rebound, you know, like that makes your, your offensive numbers way more efficient. And I think that that would have helped us close that gap and, and and get a big lead. You know, you're here as a grad transfer. Everybody is aware, for the most part, that you played at North Carolina most recently and before that, Virginia. And one of the things I noticed about you, uh, especially with a new player I thought it was really refreshing, is during the Diamond Head Classic, sitting closer to the bench, seeing your leadership qualities during timeouts. It seems like you were very vocal, encouraging your team and doing more or as much talking, at least, as the coaches. How do you see your role as an experienced vet on this team? Uh, I would say that, you know, I've, I've I've seen a lot of basketball. I've played in a lot of big games, um, played in the ACC uh, regular season championship title game. I've played in the ACC tournament. Um, I've played in the national championship, all all those things, you know. Um, and so I feel like I just have a lot of experience, that, um, you know, with the team and just seeing what needs to be done in order to be successful. So I just try my best to put these guys in, the, in a better spot, especially the younger guys, you know been in college for five years. They've been here for one or two. Um, it's really important for us to, you know, just be in their ear, keep them encouraged, and, you know, just keep the team positive because there's a lot of basketball left to be played. And you know, as we're going through this stretch where we're losing some games, that'll be big and it's important. You mentioned a lot of basketball games to be played. You talked about your recent experiences playing on the biggest stage in college basketball. And I would imagine almost every team goes through some sort of struggle, you know, a little bit of a week or two where, you know, it's been some tough game. What do you think the team needs to focus on? You mentioned turnovers a minute ago, but what do you think the team needs to focus on to kind of turn this thing around and get back into the top half of the Big West standings? I would say the biggest thing is just believe, you know, when, when your team truly believes that, that they can be good and they can come back out of this hole, um, you know, that, that sets up that sets up the, the entire thing. And then I would say also, like like we talked about, turnovers are, are huge for us right now. They're killing us. And it's it's play it's player turnovers. Like we – it's not about, like, the, the other teams. It's, it's our team. We're turning the ball over. And, um, you know, it starts with me. I think I'm, I think I'm leading the team. And total turnovers with Javon, and that you know he's averaging four assists a game, and and I'm not. So that there's a big difference in that, and he's a primary ball handler. So I'm I'm the first one that needs to clean it up, and then I would say after that, um, just we just need to continue to play hard, and you know like we said when we're down and to start the second half, we'll play hard as hell, and, and you know get back into the game. But if we could start the first half like that, we'd be really good. One of the things I really enjoy about your game, we haven't had a player like you in a while where you can create your own shot either on the perimeter, shooting threes or deep uh, jump shots, or driving to the basket or even posting up down low. Where do you feel most comfortable on offense? All three of those are are where I feel most comfortable. Um, I've, growing up, I played, I played out of the post because um, I was always bigger than everyone. And then I started to develop my outer outside game where I would work on my three-point shot. And then when I got, you know, a little older, I started adding, like, being able to drive to create. And um, I think just being versatile like that just helps you because depending on who's guarding you, you know, it changes what you can do. And so I would say that I'm most comfortable doing those three things the most. And that's kind of where I, I would say that that's where my game is at. 
for uh, senior forward Justin McCoy with the Animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu. And I want to go back to the tip-off banquet right before the season started. I remember Kavika Hallam's introducing the players on stage. And the, one of the questions, I guess the one question he did ask you when you came on stage was, have you ever met Michael Jordan? And you said yes. And I think you're the first guest on our show to have <laughs> met Michael Jordan that I can remember. <laughs> Tell us about that experience when you were at Carolina with MJ. Uh, we played care. We played uh, North Carolina State, our what people call a rivalry, but we would say that Duke is our rival. So it's really just NC State fans. I think they're our rival. But anyways, <laughs> we beat them, and uh, they were celebrating the '82 national team. And you know, Michael Jordan was on that team. And after the game, you know, we're we're clapping it up, everyone dapping each other up, and you know, we're thinking coach is about to walk in and talk to us, and then. You see Michael Jordan walk in, and everyone just kind of like the room just goes like quiet. <laughs> and it was just it was like, "Yo, whoa!" And like, there's a picture of me. I'm I'm just sitting there, and like my eyes are wide as could be. I'm just like, "Man, <laughs> what?" But uh, yeah, it was definitely a surreal moment. You know, he just talks to the team and encourages us, and you know, like dapped each of us up and just told us to keep playing. It was one of the coolest moments ever, just because you know I just watched that first dance documentary a couple years back. And, um, you know, just seeing how, like, larger than life Michael Jordan was to everybody. And then for him to be right in front of me talking was just crazy. That's crazy. Hey, you know, you're – okay, now you're in Hawaii. What are the biggest difference – I have two two parts here to this question. Biggest difference and most similarity uh, between living in Hawaii and North Carolina? I would say the biggest difference is – North Carolina has just so much more like space, like you like kind of like the South is like everything's more spread out. There's always like I mean, we, I lived off of like four different highways that connected to each other. Wow. I feel like that's that's kind of a difference. Um, where I feel like things that were super far away were super accessible just because I could just drive down a highway five minutes and you could ask Juan about it too because he grew up right off the same area, like. Nothing was too far. You can get to four different cities within seven minutes of each other. Wow. The most biggest similarity. Hmm. I would say Honolulu has a, Honolulu is still like a city, like downtown Raleigh. And then like Waikiki and Honolulu. I mean, of course, outside of like the vacation and tourism, and, of course, being on an island, I would say, like, it's kind of similar to where, like, you know, you have, like, the big buildings and, and all those things. I feel like that's the most similar because Hawaii is very different and in a good way. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's re- that's very cool. I was just, I was just curious. Yeah, we had a chance to talk uh, on one of our shows to um, uh, to Juan Munoz. Oh Juan Munoz. And, yeah, he was telling us about uh, growing up in North Carolina, too. Well, gosh, Justin, it's been uh, great talking and uh, spending a few minutes with you. We appreciate you coming on and wish you the best of luck come up tomorrow night. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Thank you, guys. Y'all take care. All right, man. That's Justin McCoy, uh, University of Hawaii basketball player via North Carolina. He got a lot of playing time a couple of years ago uh, in North Carolina, about 11 minutes, and – you know, it tapered off, but he did play a lot, you know, looking at it. It wasn't like he was never getting in games or anything like that. He played some minutes right, uh, right. for North Carolina and uh, just decided that he wanted uh, probably more uh, minutes. 
yeah. playing for Hawaii. He's playing about 30 minutes a game. And Juan Munoz was instrumental in him coming over here. They were friends. I think they played high school either with each other or against each other, but they knew each other from high school days. I just, yeah, just last month, I was ta- like three weeks ago, I was talking to Juan. I couldn't, for some reason, my mind went blank. I'm all, what, who was I talking to? But, uh, yeah. All right, there you go. It's 847 here with the Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we'll check the text line. We've got some text. We'll get to those coming up next on this Kahala Wednesday. You can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt, since way back in 1936. I wonder how much gasoline costs in 1936. Probably 36 cents. 10 cents for a pack of cigarettes. (laughs) Hey, you can get one for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. Ten minutes in front of nine o'clock now with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, let's talk sports at twelve noon and off the bench at three o'clock. Uh, I was uh, teasing uh, about the Kahala shirts. You know, they've been around since nineteen thirty-six, and I was thinking, well, how much did things cost in nineteen thirty-six? Uh, Gary was just a, he was, <laughs> was only about eight that. years old. You're only about eight years old, so I know you don't remember. But uh, uh, a dozen eggs in nineteen thirty-six was thirty-seven cents. Uh, a pound of sliced bacon, 41 cents. 10 pounds of potatoes would cost you 32 cents. And uh, fresh milk, a half a gallon of fresh milk delivered to your doorstep was uh, less than a quarter, 24 cents. So it just gives you an idea of how long Kahala Aloha shirts have been around. Crazy, isn't it? And they're great shirts, and they'll be around for a very long time because everybody loves those shirts, myself included, of course. All right. Okay. Uh, our text line, 808-296-1420. Uh, oh, before we go to the text line, Scott's on the line. He's got a question for you, Gary, about UH baseball. You go ahead, Scott. Hey, Gary, did you go to that fundraiser last night? No, I was unable, unfortunately. I think Josh might have gone, but I wasn't able to go last night. Yeah, I went last night. You know, you guys had coach on the other day, and, you know, one of the auction items was that dugout thing, and I know you were interested. I was interested in it, too, but then the selling. In, in what? The, the dugout? The dugout experience? Oh, the, being in oh, the dugout with him, game oh, day Oh, being experience. in the dugout with uh, yeah. dodging foul balls with the coach. Yeah, what about that? That thing ended up selling for three grand. <laughs> what, did, wow. Was it you who won? It started off, I think it started off at 1000 and then there were only two groups bidding for it, so they en- ended up actually giving two of those groups uh, each uh, uh, the dugout package for three grand each. Oh, I see them do that at Murphy's. If, if, you know, if it's a high-ticket item and it's something you can actually do, they say, hey, you know what, you guys won, but if you want to pay that amount, we'll give it to you as well. Yeah, so basically you're, you're in the dugout for four innings, up to the fourth inning, and then before the game, you and your, uh, I guess your friends, whatever, you go on the field and you guys do a home run derby. So that was that was the package for that. <laughs> Only four innings? I thought it was the whole game. Yeah. That's what That'd I would be have boring. Too, it was yeah, four innings is plenty. And, I mean, that's plenty of time. Now, do you, do you do you get to spit and scratch like everybody else in the dugout? <laughs> I don't know, but you know, then another one too was uh, Don Murphy donates. I think like a whole pig, and then up to yeah. forty friends out in the that Heineken hangout, whatever. Uh, that yeah. one sold for four grand, four thousand, and there were three different groups bidding for it. So Don 
Don said he'd do it for all three groups. So the three groups paid four grand each for that thing. For a big suckling pig. Yeah, Don Murphy, yeah. what a what a cool dude, man. If I'm in that dugout, I'm yelling at the umpire. I'm getting the most for my bucks. <laughs> I want to yell at the umpire. Maybe get ejected. I think that's frowned yeah. upon. I know, but it'll be hey, fun. Hey, right on, Scott. Thanks for calling in, brother. Thanks. Yep. All right, very good. Yeah, I we were doing our student section radio show last night uh, down at AutoSource, so uh, uh, I was unable to go. But uh, it would have been nice to be invited at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, they figured since you didn't show up for volleyball, why invite you for baseball? I know, the volleyball one, and that one's coming up pretty soon, right? No, it was two days ago, three days ago. It was on oh. Sunday. Oh, that was a, I would have liked to gone to that one. I was just busy, but I like the volleyball. There's another I mean, one in ca- June, though, I hear, I hear. Oh, yeah? For who? For volleyball. I heard you know, people talking about that on the air. Oh, women's volleyball? No, for men's volleyball. There's another. I'm joking because you've allegedly said it's coming up in June. Oh, yeah, that flew over everyone's head. But anyway, <laughs> I got the date wrong once. But, okay, so, but, uh, yeah, it's, they're all kind of the same, which is okay, but, you know, they're fun. They're great events. They really are. They do a great job with them. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, text line, 808-296-1420. Uh, da, 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 da. Animals. This is regarding UH baseball. Animals' new assistant baseball coach is former UW head coach Lindsey Meggs, replacing Dallas Correa. Where'd Dallas Correa go? He got, he got hired. Promoted, I thought he got a hi- he did get promoted, and he got hired by the Milwaukee Brewers. And I forget his exact oh. title, but he got hired a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh well, congratulations to him. He's with Milwaukee. Yeah. He'll run into maybe Doc Rivers, you know, on the street. He might run into him. Uh, okay. Da, 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 da. I'm read. I'm trying to read some other texts, but those are for Kanoa, so it's none of our business. Uh, next one, 808-296-1420. Only a couple of minutes left in the show. If Taylor Swift doesn't like rowdy football fans chugging beer with their shirts off, maybe she should go to the Wahine Hoops game instead. That would be great. <laughs> I don't know if she doesn't like it. It was Jason Kelsey's wife who didn't like it. Right. So specifically, she's not happy about that at all. Daddy, daddy, put your shirt on. You're on national TV. Mommy, daddy's drunk on television. I thought that was great. And we know what he said about his wife. He said, when I met you, the first time I ever met you, I was flat out drunk. So you should have known I was going to be like this my whole life. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully you're not like that when in your, you know, in your 20s. It's one thing when you're nearing 40. Maybe you get over kind of that stuff. I'm just Probably. sticking up for the ladies. OK, good point. All right. Uh, do we have 30 seconds left in the show? We got to go already. Well, I certainly hope everybody enjoys Beer Can Appreciation Day. And <laughs> well, it's not over celebrate yet. <laughs> the, it, celebrate the beer can today. Celebrate the beer can. Really go for it. I mean, it's National Compliment Day. So, you know, there's all kinds. It's such a day of celebration today. National Compliment Day. So find somebody, give them a compliment. It will do wonders. It does wonders for people just to get compliments. Compliment their beer can. There you go. Or you look at Gary and say, Gary, you're not that ugly. It's a nice compliment that you can take with you today. Don't get me started. All right, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow. ESPN Honolulu.